You're listening to the Think Again Worship Podcast, Episode 5, Call to Worship, Part 2. Well, my name is Tom Dykstra, and I'm inviting you to rethink the ways you plan and lead worship. And it's because I believe that your leadership has the power to help your people experience worship that is truly life-changing, worship that reorients their lives to the hope of the gospel. Well, welcome back, everyone. Today, we are going to continue our discussion on call to worship. And if this is the first time you're tuning into the Think Again Worship podcast, what we're doing is is um, dropping into a continuation of the last episode where we basically talked about the significance of having a call to worship, why it, why it matters. So if you haven't heard that yet, definitely recommend you zooming back uh, over to episode four and checking that out either right before or right after this episode. So let's review just a little bit. The call to worship is, um, it's words that frame and anchor the whole worship gathering as a relational encounter that God initiates. It's a moment that reminds us that God is the one, God is is responsible for and the one who who starts our worship. He makes it possible, he's the host, He's the, he's the true worship leader. He's the one who invites us into it. We talked about, um, you know, theologically from scripture, how it helps frame the story of God. We talked about how, why reframing it um, can orient our hearts. But today I want to get into a little bit, how do you actually write or choose or prepare a call to worship? Well, if you haven't already downloaded my call to worship toolkit, I really want to encourage you to go check it out at tomdykster.com. It's a free resource that is basically 11 examples of ready-to-use calls to worship and then 11 tips for creating, writing, and then leading your own. It's kind of a companion to these two episodes I've done. A lot of the examples that I give will be in this episode, but it'll just be all there for you in print form. You can just use them and hopefully begin to write your own. So I hope that's really valuable to you. I've read lots of books on liturgy and chapters on calls to worship, but this is just really practical and I hope really helpful for you. So check it out. So today is real simple. I just want to share two things. First, the practical principles. You could think of these as filters that you filter um, your ideas through as you prepare a call to worship. And and then I want to talk about uh, I want to share some examples of calls to worship that I've either led or um, have prepared to lead in my context. So let's start with the principles of putting together a call to worship and, the, and leading. And that's kind of, kind of how I'm going to divide it. There's just a few on how to choose and craft. And then there's a few thoughts I have on just the nuts and bolts of how to, you know, how do you communicate um, what are the things you want to think about in that live moment on a Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever your church service is? Here's the first principle. Hopefully this goes without saying, but the call to worship should be from Scripture. If we're going to talk about giving God the first word and really helping people see that it's it's Him who initiates, we should use a call to worship from Scripture because it literally gives God the first word in our gathering. 
That doesn't mean that I won't sometimes just slightly paraphrase a passage of scripture. You know, sometimes a, a worship leader will write a call to worship, you know, quote, based on like Psalm 72 or something. So it's not like a black and white, you absolutely have to, you know, word for word, a certain translation of the Bible, but it should be, you know, highly rooted in preferably just from scripture. Well, how do you find a good passage for call to worship? I would say it's kind of simple, like either Google it, you know, see, see what other people are using in worship. There's some great books out there too, that just kind of have some examples or, um, blogs, uh, websites, just see what other people are using. And, and the, the way that I usually come up with my calls to worship is just from reading my Bible. As you read your Bible, um, you know, lots, lots in the Psalms, but, but really spread through, throughout scripture, you'll come across verses that would make a great call to worship. And, and so just as you read, pay attention and, and jot down the reference in a note somewhere so that you can find that verse next time you're planning. I found that um, if I just go to the Bible looking for a call to worship, it can almost be harder than just as I read, just keep track. Oh, that, that, that verse really says something, you know, clear and concise and substantial about God. I want to remember that as a good call to worship. I, as I just said, I'm looking um, for something short, typically, and something that reveals a specific character of God or, or, or his heart toward us. It can be really helpful if you have a clear idea of the sermon or where whoever's preaching is going to be heading with that text. Sometimes even in that chapter, there's a great call to worship. If you can, choose a call to worship that kind of begins to direct people's attention in that direction. So first, call to worship should be from Scripture. So the second um, kind of principle that I think about when writing a call to worship is carefully plan words that pivot from God's first word to the congregation, your church family's opportunity to respond. So let me give you a real quick, simple example of what I mean. A scripture. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And then my pivot statement. Friends, these words are God's wide open arms welcoming you into his presence. Come and worship. Now, the goal of this statement is to um, not not, um, exegete that verse and not explain it all. It's just a, a way to serve your people by helping them notice that the passage you just read is saying something to them about God. And, and it, it sometimes it could be unnecessary. And, and you know, I kind of wish it was, but it's just a way to help people notice what God is, is saying in that moment. People's kind of attention is all over the place. So just give them a really short pivot statement. Now, the third principle, it applies to both uh, the scripture and also your, your pivot statement, but especially that, that statement, your own words. And that's the principle is keep it as succinct as possible. Trust me, less is more. Personally, I think it is best to have a, a pretty brief scripture, one that is pretty self-explanatory, you know, that doesn't need a lot of expounding. But there, there are two reasons to keep your own words extremely concise. First is a theological reason. Just remember, it's God's first word. If we're going to say it's God's first word, then really let the scripture do most of the talking. Let it be his word. 
And the second is just at, at this moment, uh, people aren't ready to digest a mini sermon. Okay. And, and that, that's like, practically, they're not even all in their seats yet. Um, their minds are still wandering. Um, they're just not ready to process, you know, a lot of information. You might have three really cool thoughts about that verse. You know, it might be really simple, but you're just like, man, as I think about it, like I like this and I want to just communicate that and I want to help people see this, but people aren't ready to process your, your reflections. Hopefully your verse is concise enough that it speaks for themselves or for itself. They're not ready for a mini sermon, but they're also not really ready for like a devotional thought about, you know, how it applies to your life in particular. I've found that that gets in the way more than it helps me worship when the worship leader um, shares a devotional. So I can't emphasize this enough. Be succinct. Challenge yourself. If you have two sentences, whittle it down to one. Be as brief as possible. And it, it can be kind of fun once you get some practice in this. How can I keep this as 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 uh, tight and powerful as I can in just a few words? All right, we're going to take a shift now um, in... Uh, that's how I think about crafting and how I think about choosing calls to worship. We're going to bend toward the practical a little bit in the delivery. And, you know, I joked in the last episode how you might, you know, lead worship on a planet where people show up to church on time. And in my context, they just don't really. Um, maybe half the church is, is there ready to worship. The, the principle is before you say anything else, before you start the call to worship, invite the church to stand and then wait. Now this, this goes a long way in gathering everyone's attention. Say something like, this is just what I would do. Welcome everyone. Please stand with us. And then pause for a few moments before continuing. Again, I can't overstate the potential value of that pause. Just wait. Wait until you feel that shift of attention. Even maybe just wait till it feels a little awkward. You know, you may find that uncomfortable and people might find that silence uncomfortable, but just wait for a second. Welcome everyone. Please stand with us. Watch them find their seat. Smile for a second. You know, just wait for another moment and then feel that shift and then continue. Just try the pause. Okay, we always just want to get on with things, but um, don't be afraid of the awkward. Any little bit of time that can kind of gather people's attention is valuable. So fifth principle, I'm not going to talk a ton about this, but I would just say practice your tone and your pacing. So the pacing thing, you know, the rate at which you speak when you talk in front of people is simple. You know, it's, it's just a battle against your nerves. And some people struggle with this more, but it's just that tendency to talk quickly when you're in front of people. But you want to pace yourself so that people can really understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. And you can imagine if you take this to the extreme, it would be super awkward. Think, think the sloth on that, um, oh my goodness, is it Zootopia? He talks like this. Anyway, tangent. But think about your pacing. And a lot of that is practicing and practice for someone else. The tone thing can be a little bit more complex. Um, the reality is that you're one person leading many people. 
And you think about they're all over the map emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, you name it. Um, and I think that a, a sweet spot for a worship leader is to you know figure out how to use your voice that's natural and comfortable for you, but also to have kind of a, a tone that's not overly excited and like hyping people up like a cheerleader and one that's not like overly contemplative and sad. You kind of want to have that uh, neutral tone with some joy and confidence and peace and hopefulness. Um, and, and maybe that doesn't make sense, but I guess I'm just saying be you practice your tone and probably a valuable thing to do would be ask someone who hears you lead worship. How, what's my tone? How am I coming across? All right. Last principle is just technology. Okay. A few, few things I think about is just have the passage on the projection screen. It's going to help your congregation follow the words and your train of thought. Uh, my wife Hillary and I were at, uh, or we were watching a movie with our brother and sister-in-law um, a few months ago, and they had the subtitles on. And I kind of joked like, "Oh, good thing we got the subtitles." You know, I don't remember what I said, but I was hoping that, oh yeah, they'd turn them off because, in my opinion, they were getting in the way. But they're like, "Oh no, we usually have the subtitles on." And I was like, uh, "Okay," but then I, I, I was surprised and I appreciated it. You can actually catch a lot more with the subtitles. And, and you know, I, I haven't adopted that practice watching movies uh, myself, but I saw that value of being able to see with your eyes and you catch words that otherwise, especially in that call to worship moment where people's, you know, heads are all over the place and their their brains are going everywhere, thinking about this, thinking about that. Just put the passage on the screen. Don't You don't have to put, you know, the things that you're going to say because that can make it awkward, but just put the verse so that people know, here's the verse, here's what God is saying. The other thing I would just say is make sure, you know, like make eye contact with your sound tech. Is he ready? Is your mic on? You know, even if you have to tap it or, you know, test it real quick. Then the last thing I would just say with regards to tech, and it's not really a tech thing, but it, it can be. In that moment, that trend, that when you ask people to stand, that's a, that's a tool. You know, you're helping gather their attention, just like the pause is a tool. The other thing you can do is change the lights. You know, I... I I don't love like pitch dark uh, worship and all the lights up on the stage and kind of dramatic so much myself, but you can just do a little shift that kind of, and people aren't going to really notice what's happening, but they are going to, their attention is going to shift to the stage. So that can be a valuable way to get people's attention. Well, here's a quick bonus tip. You know, don't feel like you as the worship leader have to be the one who always gives the call to worship. You know, you've got a lot of things to keep track of. You got a lot of things on your mind. So it can be practical just to pass it off to someone else and delegate it. You could give it to a vocalist, someone who's already on stage on the worship team. You could give it to uh, anyone in the congregation, you know, someone that kind of has some good presence and the ability to communicate well. You could even entrust it to a child. Some friends of mine at their church every week, they give it to um, a kid maybe probably between the ages of seven and 10. Um, but it kind of brings everyone's attention to the front because it's kind of a cute moment. They always have them, you know, it's a succinct verse. So they always have the child uh, memorize it. And, you know, it just, it brings everyone's focus to the front. And it's a great way actually just to get a different generation involved in worship. I personally really enjoy giving the call to worship as the worship leader. Um, it, it's not something I have to do every week, but I do think that helps 
um, me just really pastorally think about the people in the seats in front of me. And, um, but, but I guess I'm just saying it, it can be a, a rich thing to share that with others. Well, I want to wrap up this episode by giving you some examples of calls to worship that I've written and led. And you can, by the way, just feel free to, to use these or um, tweak them, um, however they work in your context. You know, these are, these are in my style. They may not be exactly for you, but I hope they give you an idea of how, you know, applying the principles that I shared at the beginning of the podcast, um, what they look like uh, kind of in real time in a real service setting. So again, I, I always start with, you know, the, the welcome and the pause. So something like, well, welcome to worship, everyone. Good morning. We invite you to find a place to be. And then once you've done that, please stand with us. And then the pause. And I'll say something like, our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 68. Praise be to the Lord, to God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Friends, the the same God who destroyed the power of death is a God who also daily bears our burdens with us. So this morning, let's, let's let him hear the sound of our praise, our trust, and our affections for him. There you go. So the second example, um, I kind of flipped it. I, I put the pivot statement. I used it more as a framing statement, and that's because it was Mother's Day. So, so just check out what I did here. I said, well, on this day that we are especially thankful for the moms in our lives, while it's good for us to appreciate our moms, it's also good for us to look beyond the gift that they are to the God who generously gave them to us. And for moms, it's a good thing to remember, you are not your child's ultimate security. Our call to worship is based on themes from Psalm 71. God alone is our refuge and hope, our shelter and protection. From our very first breath to our last, God's love and compassion never fail. So come, lift your voices in praise to God. Bear witness to God's acts of mercy and love. Let's proclaim God's glory to all who will listen. So if you noticed, just because it was Mother's Day, I was thinking along these lines. And and the call to worship, you know, the things we often think of our, our mothers as refuge or shelter or protection, even that that first breath reference compassion. You know, these are things we associate with our moms, but are also, you know, things in ways in which our moms reflect who God is. So I use that. Here's one uh, from Isaiah 30. So I said, our call to worship this morning is from Isaiah 30, 18, which says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. We often think about worship as something we get up for, something we come and do. But imagine God getting up this morning. Imagine him longing to be with you. Imagine him rising to greet you, however you come today, eager to show you compassion, understanding, and grace. Let's be with him as we lift our voices in praise. So that was one in which my pivot statement was a little long, a little longer than that that passage, which was so short. Here's one from Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. 
God is inviting us to be with him and he's eager to remind you of his goodness, steadfast love, and his faithfulness. And our gratitude blesses his name. Let's worship him together. Okay, and here's one. I just think Isaiah 55 is such a rich um, call to worship. You could go a lot of different ways with you know your pivot statement. But I would say, welcome to worship. You know, please stand with us. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest of fare. If you're hungry and thirsty this morning, God's inviting you to come, be satisfied, receive, experience his goodness with no strings attached. All right, two more examples. Um, hope this isn't going on too long. I just want to give you some, some, some ideas. So I would say, church, this morning, God is inviting us to recognize and enjoy all that he is. From Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Friends, all the beauty in creation, all the greatness of science, all our enjoyment of food, relationships, and recreation, it's all from him. Yet in our enjoyment of these things, we stop short of giving him the credit. Ascribe just means to make the connection, to look beyond the amazing gift to the one who gave it. All right, for my last example, I'm going to use the most recent call to worship that I led. And I actually used this a little bit in the last uh, episode. I guess it was an example. Uh, But notice how just the extra framing at the beginning was a way to help people think about why we even do a call to worship. So after asking him to stand and join us, I said, friends, our call to worship is a significant moment because it reminds us that just like God called forth creation and just like God called forth your very life and breathed into you, God is the one who initiates our worship. He is the one inviting us into this encounter. So we always begin with his words to us this morning from Zephaniah 3. The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Isn't that amazing? You know, we often think about worship as coming to God with singing, hoping that he hears us and shows up. But in reality, it's his singing over us that draws us into worship and into his presence. So let's wrap up here. I just want to remind you that your role as a worship leader is to navigate you know, the tensions of, of your plans and your ideas um, and also God's spirit at work. And, and I think that as we give thought to you know, sculpting the call to worship, we can help people enter worship and we can, um, we can say and do things that get in the way. But let's rethink call to worship as something that can help orient people's lives to the gospel. So just reminder, let God be the welcoming one. Let God be the encouraging one. We don't have to urge or even like, 
you know, make passive aggressive comments like, oh, I was good singing last week or, well, hey, you guys actually sang today, you know, let God's truth be the motivator and, and let it be more important than our words and our reflections. God, he gets the first word because he created the world. He breathed your breath into you and he started this beautiful plan of, of redemption well, thank you for creation. listening to the Think Again well, Worship for listening, Podcast. Friends. Don't as I to share check my out perspectives and as we think about worship together, I would love I to hear from you what's helpful and what's not. And if there's a question or a topic that you'd like me to dig into on the podcast, please send me an email and let me know. Tom Dykstra at gmail.com. I hope you found some value in this episode. If you did, share it with a friend or another worship leader. And I would love to have you tune in again next time. We'll see you then.